Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the brand new season of the podcast. I am so excited to be back after just over a year away. Yeah, and I kind of wanted this first episode to give some context to that, but in true podcast fashion, to try and spin it to be a much more helpful, applicable coaching style of an episode that focuses on five key rules when it comes to staying on top of your health, fitness and or physique goals in the face of sometimes minor and sometimes major shifts in your lifestyle. And I obviously speak from anecdotal experience here, having just had a daughter, um, which I never thought I would have, but here I am. But also coaching experience, having worked with thousands of clients over the last decade. Actually, I think I'm pushing 11 years now, most of whom, if not all of whom, have experienced huge changes in their lifestyle at some point or another, especially my female clients who've gone through pregnancy, the menopause, torn cruciate ligaments, long COVID, breast cancer diagnoses, various surgical and medicinal treatments, and so much more. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Simprove, a science-backed water-based supplement containing billions of live and active bacteria that support the gut. The podcast loves to discuss all things gut health and Simprove are here to support these conversations. I've actually been taking Simprove for years now. It's a staple of my morning routine, helping support my overall gut health and function. It's such an important part of my routine. I even take it on holiday with me to ensure that I'm supporting my gut health, which we all know can do strange things when traveling and eating different foods. Simprove is a non-dairy food supplement proven to deliver live and active bacteria straight to the gut so it can truly have an impact. Nine out of 10 customers report feeling a beneficial difference after taking Simprove and continue to take it daily. Simprove are offering a 50% discount on your first three month subscription. Use code BODCAST50, that's BODCAST50 to order yours today. Visit simprove.com and use code BODCAST50 for 50% off your first three month subscription. So I suppose we'll start with what was for me pregnancy. But I obviously want to broaden this to basic staying on top of a health, fitness and or physique goal in the face of, like I said in the intro, minor and or major life changes. So rule one, and this is, I think, the the biggest one um, that should just always kind of surge to the front of your mind and be called upon every time you have a difficult or challenging moment that's kind of getting in the way of of you reaching your goals. And that is, what can I do? And the response from many of you listening right now is probably no shit, Sherlock. But you would be amazed how many clients tell me that they've sprained their ankle or torn their rotator cuff or even just come on their period. So obviously that means that they can't train. And while I totally understand the defeatist mindset when things don't go your way or don't go the way that you planned... The fact of the matter is that it is just simply not true that there's now nothing you can do. And this is kind of what I would call the perfectionist or all or nothing mindset. And it stands in the way of you getting results, be they short term, medium term or long term. Trust me, if you let go of perfect and you let go of optimal, what can I do is often enough. So as an applicable, or I should say anecdotal example of this, in my first trimester, I was so sick that my training took a huge hit. And I really thought that I was going to be that woman that was like, oh, I trained every day until I gave birth. And I was absolutely 
livid that I fell at the first trimester. I couldn't train for two or three months. I was really shocked and surprised um, by it. I, I genuinely thought I was going to have the healthiest, fittest, active pregnancy I, I could have. And I, I couldn't. I genuinely couldn't go, couldn't even face the, the drive to the gym, let alone a workout. So every day at some point between breakfast and dinner, and I knew that it was super important, not only for my physical health, but for my mental health and the health of my pregnancy, the health of my baby, to do some kind of physical activity. So every day I would force myself to go get up and go outside and go for a walk in my local park. And some days it was 10 minutes. Some days it was an hour and 10 minutes. Some days it made me feel a million times better. And sometimes it made me feel 10 times worse. But I forced myself to just try and do 10 minutes every day. And I want to put to you as a coach some actual incentives as to why you should still try to move, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not squatting or going to CrossFit or whatever. Reasons why you should still just basically move. The first is the metabolic benefits of non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So the metabolic benefits of NEAT contribute not only to how much body fat you're likely to be carrying, again, in the short and long term of your life, but also your longevity of life. So don't forget that NEAT is the second biggest contributor to total calories burned over time after your basal metabolic rate or resting metabolic rate. So going for a walk or at least trying to every day is going to have a huge impact on your body composition, even if you can't train. Also, just to touch on blood glucose response, postprandial walking, which basically means walking after meals, is hugely effective when it comes to lowering blood glucose and improving insulin response, which might not be something that you worry too much about as a fit, healthy, active individual. And it shouldn't be if you are a fit, healthy, active individual with no uh, metabolic diseases. This is not something you should be overly worried about. But when your exercise activity, especially the long term benefits of weightlifting and an increasing muscle mass, when these two things have taken a simultaneous hit, it is a hugely beneficial thing to do for your long-term health to focus on getting your basic day-to-day non-exercise activity in. The next one is vitamin D, um, both for mental health and physical health. Obviously, it doesn't really apply so much in the winter months, but when the sun is out, a really good dose of vitamin D is going to help you feel a million times better, like I say, psychologically and physiologically. It's a, it's a big benefit of going outside and stretching your legs. Another one is muscle maintenance. So just getting up and moving, even in a minor sense, is going to help you preserve muscle mass, even when you can't lift weights. Remember that maintaining muscle is a hell of a lot easier than building muscle. So long as you move, so move. Um, You know, a lot of the evidence shows that you really atrophy and you really go into a state of catabolism when you are kind of inactive um, in, in, in one particular study that comes to mind, bedbound or comatose. So it goes without saying that if you are actually getting up and, and using your body, um, you really, really, really slow down and, and potentially halt um, that response. So it's a good thing just to move, even if you can't lift weights. And the last one is obviously mental health. Getting out the house and into the fresh air, getting back in touch with the world outside, whether it's socially or in terms of nature, is going to see your mental health skyrocket, especially when you feel like you're spending the vast majority of the day on your own inside, kind of cut off from the world. That will creep up on you. So 
All of these are reasons to get up and go outside and move. And it doesn't have to be walking. It could be swimming. It could be going to physiotherapy. It could be doing yoga in your garden. But just getting out and getting moving, um, even if it, it's not considered optimal activity or targeted exercise activity, is going to make a huge difference and have a huge impact on your physical and your mental health. So now coming away from what can I do in terms of physical activity, let's talk about diet too. And again, just to give it some anecdote before I uh, give it some kind of coaching thought. So in my second trimester, I had a lot of food aversions, specifically protein and fiber, which I'm sure you can imagine doing what I do for a living was <laughs> not not worrying at all. It obviously presented a huge hurdle when it came to any kind of physique or nutritional health or maintenance that I was hoping for. So after a couple of weeks of this, I sat down and I thought, right, okay, what can I do with my diet? Um, at this point, I was really only eating toast and chocolate, <laughs> the diet of champions. So um, the obvious low-hanging fruit here was protein bars to replace the chocolate. And I ended up putting ham, <laughs> half packets of ham in my daily dosings of toast. Now, I just want to caveat this here and say that processed meat is a dietary staple. It's not healthy and definitely not <laughs> something that I should be recommending people do. But I was going from zero hits of protein a day to two to three just by doing these things that I could actually stomach. And that was going a long way and helping me preserve muscle mass. And considering it only lasted a handful of weeks. I was very lucky. I didn't get hyperemesis. I was just very sick in my first trimester. I wasn't overly worried about optimal nutrition. I was much more worried about realistic options. And this applies to all of you who are struggling to stay on track with your diet. Figure out why, what's the hurdle, what's the issue, and what's the low-hanging fruit? What can you do? So I've mentioned switching chocolate for a protein bar, which isn't something you need to do if calories are equal, but it is a really good idea if you have a sweet tooth and you're struggling to hit your daily protein target. That's a good swap. If you're struggling to stay in calories because you love a boozy night out with your mates, why don't you swap if you're having cocktails or wine or why don't you swap that for vodka soda waters? If you know you order takeaway after a big night of drinking, why not make sure that you have a low calorie microwave meal waiting in the fridge for you. Just a little hack here that Marks and Spencer's Count on Us do really good. Most of them, not all of them, most of them are high protein, low calorie meals. I in particular recommend the chicken chow mein. It's really, really good. And I think it's like 20, 25 grams of protein. It's genuinely like, yeah, it's a really good one. But just don't see these hurdles, you know, that you might have as roadblocks. They're not roadblocks, they're hurdles. And you can jump all of them with a little bit of forethought and creativity. Okay, so now let's move on to rule two, which is something I had to live my my life by in the multiple, very painful weeks post-C-section. So I don't mean to contradict rule one, what can I do? But ironically, sometimes the best thing you can do for your body and even your physique goal is nothing. So rule two is rest, recover and be patient. So again, I'm sure a lot of you are listening thinking, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> but you really would be surprised the amount of clients, the majority, I would say, who ask me if they can still go to the gym and train when they have the flu. No. <laughs> or even neglect to take a weekly rest day. No. There are a lot of people out there who just cannot wrap their head around the fact that often the best thing to do in order to progress your health, fitness, strength and or physique at that time is to rest, recover and be patient. 
This applies to the injured, minor illnesses, and just basic rest and recovery from training. You cannot adapt to the physical stresses of training if you don't let that adaption take place. If you push, push, push for more, your results will suffer. This is often referred to as the rate of diminishing returns or even the fitness to fatigue ratio where your rate of fatigue quite quickly will surpass your rate of fitness adaptation. And this applies to muscle hypertrophy as well. And if you don't take a step back and allow your body to recover, as I said, your results are going to suffer. You need to listen to your body. You need to let inflammation or virus die down. You need to let it recover before you push again. And then you reap the rewards of that. And psychologically speaking, what really worked for me in this instance, and I actually didn't struggle with the rest and recovery. I very much <laughs> could see and feel that my body really needed it. Um, I really embraced my inner kind of chill, uh, letting my body rest, treating that as my training, kind of the bettering of my body, what my body needed, and really looking forward to the hard graft coming when I was fully recovered, which was not at that point. In like, I, it's weird. I said this to James the other day, like when I remember the fact, because I, I had gone a long time at that point without training, which was the first time in what, 12 years that I've ever taken more than a week away from training. I kind of liken it to like almost like holding a ribbon and letting it, letting it kind of spiral down and just very calmly just letting it happen. And yeah, for me, I didn't really struggle with that, but I know a lot of people do. So once rest and recovery had taken place for me and have taken place for you, and like I say, this can be in terms of rest and recovery from basic training, from illness, from surgery, whatever it is. Rule three is to rebuild. And I say rebuild for a reason. For the women out there who've just had a baby waiting to get that six week inevitable all clear to exercise again from your doctor, going in the gym and attempting to squat heavy weight which so many women do. And it's like, I mean, really quite quite worrying. And there needs to be, I think, much more of a, a focus on women's health physiotherapy, which all women should be doing after they've had a baby. It takes such a huge toll on your body. You go back into the gym six weeks later and you do a heavy squat, you're at extremely high risk of injury, immediate injury, but also extremely high risk of a later prolapse. And this happens all the time. I ask my physiotherapist, you know, what who will be coming on the podcast, by the way, um, kind of what percentage of women got that six week checkup, went in, you know, started lifting weights and a year later had a prolapse. And she said the majority of them. Um, and it's fixable. It's nothing to really panic about. It sounds worse than it is. We've all seen the videos. We all know. It happens. A lot of people actually have a prolapse and don't even know about it. Again, this is all something that I'll talk to her about because this is not my field. This is very much secondhand information. But if you're like me and your body and your training matter to you, you have to be patient. You have to rebuild from from the ground up. You can't jump right in at the deep end. Your pelvic floor is weak. Your entire core has separated. And I don't just mean the muscles, but the organs and your your ribs as well. Your body needs to slowly and progressively regain strength and stability, not to mention readapt to the old stresses of training, which have now readapted to not training. It will take a minute for your central nervous system to catch up with what you were doing a few weeks, months, or in some cases years ago, not to mention your physical ability and strength, which will take considerably longer. 
I also wanted to touch on how this felt for me psychologically for a second, because I get asked this a lot about that pre and postnatal period. And I will say this is where I struggled the most. Um, There were quite a few dark days. I wouldn't say days, but moments for me in the gym where I was incredibly sleep deprived, which (laughs) sees most of us acting like a psycho, me in particular. I was physically very weak for the first time in years. I was bored, impatient and frustrated. And there were definitely two or three occasions, maybe even four or five occasions where I sat there doing my boring as fuck pelvic floor work and core rehab and cried because I could see my diastasis recti. I could see the damage that had been done to my body and I could feel my physical weaknesses and I could see 19 year olds, <laughs> 12 who were, I mean, I, I don't even know how old when I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, 12 feet away from me lifting really heavy weights. And I get it, like, boo-hoo, these are real first world problems. I had a healthy baby and I'm now definitely back in the saddle of health and fitness postnatally. But, you know, when you're so far away from where you were and where you spent years getting to and where you want to be, it's a really lonely headspace to find yourself in. And, I, you know, I remember James in recovery from various injuries in rugby expressing that same feeling of, like, sadness, frustration, impatience, loneliness. It is. When you're a physical being, it's it's a lot. So you're not alone if you're experiencing that. And it was, for me, probably the most challenging part of my journey. The only piece of advice, really, is keep going because one day you'll get exactly where you want to be again. Um, and the only reason you won't is if you stop. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep trying. So the fourth rule I have is goal and timeline clarity. And this one is taken straight from an Instagram post I wrote recently because it just is very succinct and it sums up what I'm trying to say. I said, it is so frowned upon now, but in my experience as a coach, which is more valuable to me than the opinion of a zeitgeist pandering female on Instagram. It is very hard to reach your body goals without total clarity of both what that goal is and a realistic timeline within which to achieve it. And that doesn't just apply to your body goals being attainable. It also applies to travel, work, finances and relationships. You will struggle with any goal if you view it merely as an open-ended hope. So to elaborate on this a little, because I know I can be slightly aggressive sometimes, (laughs) I feel like the focus, especially in the female health and fitness arena now, certainly body transformation specifically, that's not even up for debate, is just to live your happy, healthy, best life. And body goals are the devil. Unless you're kind of running a marathon or I don't know, cycling over a mountain or something of the like, any kind of physique goal is so frowned upon and it's so viewed as self-hatred. And I I don't understand it. I obviously am a physique coach. I love physique science. I've been doing this, like I said, I've been training for like 12 years. I've been competing and coaching for a decade, maybe even a bit longer now. And I I, I, I've seen it go right more often than I've seen it go wrong. And I know that on the mainstream platform of social media or whatever you're talking about, mainstream female driven media, there's a hell of a lot of stories about it going wrong. And I totally understand that, but it changed my life for the better. And I, and I, I, I think I'm very accurate in saying that it's changed thousands of my clients' lives for the better too. And there's nothing wrong if you have a physique goal. It's absolutely valid. It's absolutely fine. But to kind of make this point more succinctly without me having a rant (laughs) 
is first you need to pinpoint your goal and then you need a timeline within which to get there. And of course, these both need to be realistic. You don't want to be aimed to be competing in Bikini Olympia in 12 months time. But 12 months time is a good enough amount of time to lose a significant amount of body fat if you have that to lose and or gain a good amount of muscle mass and or do both. All of these depend on your start point. So I don't want to give general kind of, you can do anything. You can't. <laughs> it all depends on your start point, but you can make a significant change to your body in 12 months, regardless of who you are and where you're starting from. That is, you know, not up for debate. Okay. The last rule I have for coming back from pregnancy, illness, injury, or just a prolonged period of time away from optimally chasing your goal is to keep trying. And again, this is taken from a post I wrote on Instagram because it's exactly what I want to say on it. You have to keep trying because you will not have a perfect day every day. You will not have a perfect week every week. Nobody does. The people that achieve their goals are the people that keep trucking on and do not give up even when they have every hurdle thrown in the way and every reason to throw in the towel. How do you get to your destination in the face of road closures? You find a way around and you keep going. You will not get anywhere if you give up every time it gets hard. Do not give up. Keep going. And I really want to make that point because you're not even when you feel like you're on like, I don't know, kind of this runaway train of momentum of ticking the boxes and perfection. And, you know, you've had 217 days of tracking on my fitness pal. And, you know, even when you are really kind of off to the races, you're still going to have a bad day. You're still going to have a bad week. Stuff still happens that kind of gets in the way. But the same thing also applies, and this is why I don't want anyone to catastrophize it. When you're, like I said, rebuilding or resting and recovering and you're trying to get back there and you're desperate to get back there and already you're in a suboptimal place and boxes are falling by the wayside, left, right and centre, you're still going to have bad days, like worse days in that situation as well. You'll have good days, bad days. They're never going to go anywhere. And like I say, the people who achieve their big goals and what they set out to achieve, achieve and these successful people they don't give up they keep going so I really encourage everyone to keep that in mind so those are my five golden rules when it comes to returning to health fitness strength performance physique and body transformation goals one what can I do ask yourself every single time you feel like you've been shut down no there's got to be more what can I do Two, rest, recovery, and patience. Remember that sometimes that really is the best thing you can do. <laughs> like, sometimes that's what your body needs in order to move forward. Three, rebuild. Do not just throw yourself back in at the deep end when your body is not there yet, okay? You need to rebuild or you're going to do more damage and you're going to prolong this whole thing and have to start from square one. Four, goal and timeline clarity. What is the goal, realistic goal? What is a realistic timeline? Okay. An anecdotal example that's not about me. <laughs> it would be, do you have a significant amount of body fat to lose? Give yourself a year before reassessing the approach, um, the situation. Do you need to take some time away from it? Like how ideally also get a coach, by the way, because a lot of what I'm saying could be really misconstrued from people who aren't professionals. But We'll just say if you have a lot of a lot of body fat to lose, give yourself a year. If you are really serious about gaining 
a significant amount of muscle mass again, at least a year, ideally two. If you're serious about real body transformation again, you know, at least a year, maybe two, there's a lot you can do, but you have to be realistic about what you're aiming for and the time within which it'll take to get there. And the last one, keep trying. It's never going to be perfect. If you keep throwing in the towel every time something goes wrong, you're never going to get there. Stop doing that. I really, really hope that this podcast has been helpful to you, regardless of whether or not you've just had a baby like myself. I really wanted to make it as all-inclusive and as kind of coach-specific um, as possible because I'll tell you what, we are all going through this thing called life together and lifestyle shifts, no matter how big or small they are, are challenging. Like I say, whether you get COVID and it, you know, you're fine after a week or two or whether you're going through the menopause and it takes you a year to kind of find your balance and find your feet again, you can absolutely still hold tight to your own selfish goals when these hurdles crop up. It just might take a little bit of patience, creativity, time and, and forethought, but do not give up. Please tune in next week when I will have a guest. It won't just be me talking for, I don't even know how long I've been talking for now, half an hour. But thank you so much to everyone who has and continues to listen to the podcast since 2018. If you like this episode and or previous episodes, please do like the podcast, rate the podcast, leave a review, subscribe, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Chloe with any suggestions at all that you might have for podcast topics and or guests. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys again next week. Podcast Network.